Today, we're kicking off a new series called Conversations. Have you had the, have you had the talk? Oh, yeah, y'all can be seated, by the way. Thank you, Don. You're so, so dedicated. Um, it's a four-week series all of February. We're going to be talking about conversations. And what I never liked as a church goer is how when it got into relationship month, it's always about romance and boyfriend, girlfriends, and everything. But what about, what about other relational issues? So when I became a pastor, I tried to spread it across multiple topics that tie to relationships, but not limited to just husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, that kind of situation. So across the four weeks, it's really good. You should definitely tune in and stay connected with the whole month because uh, next week we're going to be talking about church hurt and the damage people do in the church, the representatives of God and what they do to the people who are starving for God and how it backfires because they actually were, you know, maybe the devil that day. I don't know. But we're going to be talking about all these different topics the next four weeks. But today we're going to be talking about a topic dear to my heart. And um, how many, I mean, everybody in here has kids or is married or has some kind of relationship they can claim to. Is that, is that, yeah? Is anybody just in a complete silo and speaks to no one ever? And the only thing they speak to is their phone or Alexa? No, everybody can have some kind of relationship, even a friendship. And I was thinking this morning about me and Michelle's relationships and my relationship with my kids and how Every valuable memory I have, it's based around a conversation. It's, it's based around other things, but they all stemmed from a conversation. And that the conversation really determined the direction of all the active things I remember that came from it. The fruit of the conversation. And just so you know, like this morning, Kaylee, she was up. And she was up. I get up earlier because I, I leave earlier. And, and she was up singing. Um, Victory. She's five. She's in her room getting dressed. I'm going to see a victory. The battle lost. I mean, you can't understand if she's speaking English. Maybe she's speaking in tongues or something. But she's singing that song. I could hear the melody. No, she was trying to say, I'm going to see a victory. And she comes down and she's all beautifully dressed, ready for church, gets on her tablet. She does her legs like this, you know. It's not as comfortable for me. And um, she's sitting there and she evidently had put on some chapstick. So she learned this from her mom. And I'm like, Okay, daddy's going to church. Okay, give me a kiss. And normally she does. And she, she wouldn't turn her head. And I'm like, what's up with you, girl? Like, you can't dog your dad. And I'm like, give me a kiss. And she's like, I don't want to. I said, oh, is it the chapstick? She says, yeah. <laughs> daddy's going to rub the chapstick off her mouth when I give her the kiss, especially with this whiskers. And um, I just thought it was so funny because when I think of my daughter, I think of these little conversations or the ones at bedtimes, or when I think of the relationship with my life, I think, my, my wife, I think of the conversations that have happened, the good ones, bad ones, and everything in between. I think of the conversations when I first told my mom and my brother and Corey and, and the family when we were having our first kid. I remember that vividly, the moment. That's what I remember. I don't really remember 30 minutes after. I remember that very moment and the reaction, and it, like, it was all centered around what we said. Me and Michelle's marriage, any marriage is going to have hills and valleys. It's called growth. And, and what I remember in the bad seasons and what I remember in the good seasons is the conversations. In fact, we, we talk about it all the time. I, I think God's doing something to our marriage. It's like getting better because we're starting to have more 
conversations. When the old Jeff would have been like, I'm not talking to you for three hours because I have pride. Or maybe she's like, I'm not going to talk to you for three weeks. I mean, three days. I mean, three hours because I have pride. And so sometimes even the lack of conversation can be the source of a problem. So not only do we need to have conversations, but maybe we're having conversations and they're not coming out the right way, the way God intended for them to come out of you. Because you can say a lot of stuff, but it doesn't mean it's going to help the situation, depending on how you're having your conversations. I want to give you a passage today. Y'all have heard, because y'all are Bible scholars, I know it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33. I always love this because the, the men stand up and they read this first verse, but if they don't continue, it could sound really chauvinistic, but we're going to read through the whole thing and see how God balances back out the relationship. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord. Yep, that's right. Submit. All the, all the women's lib are getting really angry right now. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So men, you are the head of your household like Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything subject. That's great. But it goes on to say more. God is not chauvinistic. He says, uh, 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 husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. That's a lot of love. Are you willing to go to the cross for your wives? Come on now. That sounds like, like, yeah, yeah, I am. But, but that's a lot of love. Am I capable? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, everything you have is to be given for her. She's first. So she's supposed to, you know, um, be under your leadership. But if you're not serving her, it's a mutually agreement that's been broken. It's a two-way relationship. Verse 26 that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of water by the word. That's this thing we're reading here, God's word. You can't separate God from who he is. It's his word. When we read his word, we are pouring God into another person. That he might present to her himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or no such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own selves or bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, I could go off on this on a whole other thing about unconditional love and that if you really love yourself, it's all about giving away what you have within, within a respectful way, not being taken advantage of, but everything you've been given was given to you, so you're supposed to give it away. And so it starts with this thing in the house called a marriage, a relationship. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this reason, everybody say this reason, 
A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I love this one because there's a spiritual union that happens beyond the piece of paper that the government signs for you to get your tax deductions. This is a spiritual bond. And when you come together as husband and wife, the Bible says in Genesis and here in Ephesians that you two become one. And it can't be separated. You know when you do the candles? You put the candles together in the wedding and it's all, oh, it's so pretty. And you put the two candles and they become one burning. It's to signify actually something spiritual. It's a visual representation of what God actually is doing in the spirit. Before me and Michelle ever signed the piece of paper, we became one spiritually. That's what married us. That's when we became married in here. 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It goes both ways. My title this morning in this first week of conversations is called, He Said, She Said. He said, well, she said. He said, and this could be, this doesn't, this, this is so applicable and this passage is on marriage, but this could apply to any type of relationship you had because it starts with, conversations. And speaking is so undervalued in the amount of influence it carries to those we communicate with in this modern era of no speaking. We communicate, but we don't speak. Like, do we look at each other anymore? Is that cool? Can we have eye contact in this world? Is there, is there a way to, to, to communicate in person? Do we do that? So we have all these means of communication. And especially with those we communicate, often we undervalue the influence what we say has. It's everything. In a world of messaging, texting, the devil. Whoever invented texting was cool for a minute, but sometimes I wonder if texting is the devil. Because if you read your text wrong, you can just develop your own tone. That's why real conversations matter. You can emoji somebody. Me and my brother like to curse each other with emojis. It's the most fun thing on the planet. It's a joke, people. You know you can send emojis for anything? I would never do that. I would never do that. It's pretty impressive what they've created an emoji library for. Now, we, we like to mess around. You know, we're brothers. And um, you can really say a lot with emojis. <laughs> Too much sometimes. But speaking is still the most powerful influence we have in someone else's life. And it starts because it's based on the words that, as T.D. Jakes would say, come out of your mouth. Words matter. Oh, I could go into theology here. I won't do it. I go into the book of James. I won't do it. It's all over the Bible. Like, if you don't understand the importance of what's happening here, you don't know the Bible because it's everywhere all over the New Testament. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Slow to speak, quick to listen. God used the tongue. He confused the language. He scattered the language. He brought them back together. Everything God does is through here because it's the most unruly part of our flesh. So if you don't understand that, that is the fundamental for Christian growth, is that it starts here, everything. The tone we set with our verbal influence greatly determines the direction of the conversation, the tone. It's like a guitar. You can have a guitar player, and if he's out of tune, the tone is, ew. But if he's in tune, it's good, like that guitar slide on the track, Allison. Or if you have a singer that's in tune, it's good. But if the tone is out of tune, it's 
Is there glass breaking? Is there nails on chalkboard? What is going on? It's all about the tone of what you're saying. So you can have a really good intent, but your tone be wrong. And so people will hear the tone and not the actual message behind the tone. Y'all getting this? It matters. And I don't know about you, but you can be tone deaf when you're listening to yourself. You don't hear the tone. You hear what you wanted to say, but the outsider hears the fruit of what you said, which is in the tone. The tone matters. So as we plan to flourish our relationships to those around us, with those around us, we are to speak in a way that is Christ-like, even when the other party in the conversation is not doing it. Welcome to marriage. Sometimes they're not going to do it the way you want them to do it first. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, you go first. You step, I step. You go first. As we take a look at this first week, at our verbal interactions between our spouses and loved ones, I pray God reveals the scriptural foundation of, of how we are designed to edify and lift each other up in all, everybody say it, all seasons. Not just at church, and then we dog them on Monday. Not just, on, not just at church, and we, we, we talk smack about them at the job. No, in all seasons, everywhere we go, we take this gospel. It doesn't leave us if we are the church, because it says we are his body. How can we be separated from Christ if we are the body of Christ carrying out the Great Commission? So think about that next time you want to talk smack. I'll be preaching this to myself on Monday when I'm irritated because I didn't have my second cup of coffee, Debbie. He said, she said, but what about what God said? Well, he said, she said. What did God say? My dad used to get me on that. I used to get so mad because he'd say, blessed are the peacemakers. But you don't understand, Dad, what they did. It's not fair. It's not right. But it doesn't matter. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, and then I'd listen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When we get past the emotional response and the tone, then the word gets into our heart and we go, I'm sorry. That's how it, how it works. But what if we could do that before we reacted? You know, like what if we could stay that way in the heat of the moment when they're testing our emotions? If you can take the emotion out of it and you can change the tone of your conversation, you'll be shocked at the fruit it bears. Something maybe you never tasted before. I only have sour fruit in my house. Well, maybe it's because your tone has been creating toxic leftovers. It's been out in the weeds too long. So what are we saying? What are we saying, church? What are we saying when we go home today? What are we saying in the car ride? What are we saying? It's, 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 uh, it's interrogatory. It's inter is that the word? Interrogatory? I don't even know if that's a proper way to say it. It's, it's interrogating. There we go. It's interrogating that, that they, would, they would expose a mirror on me and say, what am I saying? No, I'm asking you to ask yourself, what am I saying? Or not saying because of pride. Have you ever heard yourself recorded and you're like, whoa, I didn't know I sounded like that. Has anybody seen American Idol? You know why the show was a success? Not because of all the good singers, because of all the horrible people on the reject playbacks because they thought they were good in the shower and then they got in front of a professional and they said, you're no good. In fact, you're awful. Like, go be a dentist, okay? Don't sing anymore because, because you don't hear what you sound like when you're speaking. But sometimes if you could play back what you sounded like, you might be shocked at what you find. You might be shocked at what you said. Because it didn't, it didn't sound the way you thought it did coming out. Because your intention was good, but your tone was wrong. You guys getting this? 
I'm preaching to myself because, you know, I'm a drop of, drop, drop of Italian, and that drop really flares up sometimes. And, and I come out, and people say, are you mad? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not mad at all. One time I was in sixth grade, the art teacher said, you know, we have counselors if you need them. I'm sitting outside the gym in my vinyl jacket, you know, in June. It was smart. And um, I'm sitting there minding my business. We have counselors. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because, because she evaluated me based on my presentation, not based on actually how I, how I felt. And so I didn't know that's how I was looking and feeling. So it's always been a struggle, but I'm trying to look more pleasant as I get older, especially at church. That's why sometimes I got to put on my phone, Christine, happy, 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 because I don't want church folk to see the real face I give sometimes. That's just the normal me. I got to make a conscious effort to change into something new because I've been the other way all my life. So it takes, it takes affirmation. If my email is going to affirm, my calendar reminder is going to affirm, you are highly valued. You're supposed to, you're here for a reason. You were meant to do this. Don't let your light burn out. Like all these things, then I can come, I can come praising God because I remember that God loves me and I can change the look on my face that I didn't even know I was making. Or I just make looks and it means nothing. That can happen. But it's hard to hear ourselves, especially when we're thinking about what the other person's saying. You know, when you're, you don't like what the spouse says or the other person says, and you're only thinking about what you're responding, you're going to respond because you're focused on what they're going to say next, and you're, you're not really listening to how you're coming out. It's a one-way tone. I only hear one way, and, and what happens is we get the, like, the victim thing, and so we get hung up on the, on the small things, and, 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 and then it becomes irritating, and then all of a sudden, we start seeing a residual impact in our relationship over days. Depression can creep in. Hateful comments can creep in. Snide remarks can creep in. Sarcasm can creep in. Has anybody ever been sarcastic? Never. Vincent, never. Has anybody ever received sarcasm even when you had the best intent with somebody? See, we don't, we don't, we don't realize it. So my question to you this morning is, what are we saying? It might take a conscious evaluation to actually notice that you could be saying a lot more than you realize with a little bit. You can be saying a lot more with what you're not saying with this. You can speak in a lot of ways. You know, you really want to hurt somebody, you just ignore them. You really want to say, I don't care, you just ignore them. So that speaks a lot too. So you can communicate in a lot of ways, but we are more focused today on what we're saying in our actual conversations. I can't let what they did affect how I act. If I let how, what they did affect how I act, then I'll always say, he said, she said, but then the Lord says, what did I say? What did I say? We can become so numb. Me and Michelle have had this conversation, and it's funny because we never had it years ago, is when we've gotten really mad and said really bad things to each other, there comes a point where like, why would we say that to each other if we love each other? Like, why would we do that? And we don't even know because it's just instinct. It's a habit. And so the more I started, the more I've been really thinking on this the last few years. Why would I say anything hurtful to someone I love? Except it's be a reactive uh, emotion because I love that person. So if we can retrain that to remember first what, the, what Jesus said here about them being first, us being second, you'd be amazed at how your conversations can change in your house. Well, when they will, I will. Oh, I remember that verse. No, I don't. That's not the Bible. That's your, that's your Bible. 
Did you know when you change the Bible, you become your own idol? So we don't want to do that. We can look the part, but if we start modifying God's word to fit our lifestyle, we've become an idolater. Ooh, I don't like how that sounds. I don't either. That's why I'm saying don't do it. It's not good. This is the truth. Nothing added, nothing taken away. So when they, when they will, I will, I have to say no, I will anyway. I will anyway. If he treated me good, oh, what does verse 24 say? Therefore, wives, just as the church is subject to Christ, let your wives be to their own husbands in everything. So that doesn't apply. Well, I'll be nice when they, says the husbands, when they, I'll be nice. Verse 25, he says, husbands, love your wives anyway, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Love them anyway. Do it anyway. Blessed are the peacemakers. I'm going to quit putting conditions on my relationship. How do I do that? It says, just as Christ loved the church, maybe I should observe, oh, I think it's called gratitude. Gratitude will make you become unconditional with your love. Because when you observe what Christ did on the cross, that's where grace comes in. You go, I didn't earn this. How could anybody love me so much? So he loved me first, no matter what. I become grateful for what Christ did to me, but we are to be a mirror of what he gave us to somebody else. So if I recognize that love of what God did, I'm going to be overflowing with gratitude. Guess what it's going to do? It's going to change my conversations. And now I'm going to be grateful to you even when you're cursing me. I'm going to be loving you even when you're so mean to me. And I think it's not fair because I'm going to see deeper and say, this is just the devil trying to hurt us. This is not you anyway. This is the devil infiltrating and I'm not having that in my house. Get out of here, devil. You know, you can cast him out. Jesus did. Come on, somebody. Am I the one that has has to battle the devil in my house? You guys getting this? You guys awake? No more when they will, I will. I will, period. Because Jesus said to, and I want the best God has for me. And if I do it that way, my conversations will change, which will change the results of my conversations. And my household will change. My marriage will change. My friends will change. My church will change. Everything will change because of your conversations. Try it. And if if I'm not right, I'll pay you a dollar. I'm telling you, it's the truth. Own it. Make, it. make it your own because you'll become the best God had you intended to be. You'll become the best thing he, he wants you to be. I will take a back seat today and exalt my spouse. Because I can never forget. I am second. Jesus is first. As long as I remember that I can never take the place of what Christ did, I'll always remember how to give that love to somebody else in the same way. Just just look to your neighbor, just tell them, I'm second. I wasn't meant to be first. I'm second. I will always be second. They say, first place is like nobody remembers second place. That's not what God said. What What kind of race are you in? We're in the heaven marathon, and God says, unless you put them first, you can't win this race. You want to get there first? Put them first. Greater is, remember, remember to be the greatest, you have to be the least? That's what that means. Jesus was not above his, his apostles. He served with them. He was in the dirt with them. In order to be the leader, you got to be getting in the mud. You got you to gotta sling some mud sometimes. You got to bleed for your cause if you believe it. Because if you don't, the tree will crumble. 
And Jesus says, I am first to lead you. We always need him to lean on and to lead us. I am second. When you get in the tiff next time, let me tell you another tip here, 13 years. Remember that you're one. So you don't isolate. You you aggregate. You come together. You're one. You can't be separated. So when you want to go over here, and they want to go over here, and you want to not speak, and you want to isolate, God says, you can try to physically separate all you want, but I've already brought you together. So you might as well work it out. It's like wrestling practice. When Colton gets hurt, I say, you might as well work it out because you're not quitting. You're going to do this. I used to be like, do you want to quit? You want to do it? And I started thinking about it. He doesn't know his own good yet. That's why I'm there, is to protect him. We don't let him get hurt. We keep, we keep a certain buffer because I know in three or four years, he's going to be glad he didn't quit because he's not ready yet to understand that for himself. We don't separate. We can't separate because it's a spiritual union. If y'all could stand with me as we close this first week on conversations. This is a joint effort in life. But God said, we're one. I can't do without you. You can't do without me because we're one. And if you're single, it works with marriage. And we're talking about marriage. But if you want to get a really good foundation so your marriage is the best, start with your conversations with your friends, with your parents, with your siblings, with everyone. If you can train yourself on how to have good conversations, you're going to climb so many promotional ladders, uh, carnal and spiritual. Your life's going to be good. All about having good conversation skills. I am second. Jesus says we are the body. So if we are representing God at his body, we can only speak the way God would speak. So we ask God today to remove our instinct, our emotion, and let the Holy Ghost flow through us that he may speak through us because that is the only way we can be perfectly in Christ is him to be perfectly in us. And that union is the church and God. That is the bride of Christ. So just like you're married to your spouse, we are married to Jesus. And guess what? It's one spiritual union. When the, when the father leaves his parents and he joins to his wife, they shall become one. So when Jesus joins to his bride, they become one. So you cannot speak on God's behalf and talk trash about them. You cannot speak with the Holy Spirit inside of you and be talking gossip because that is not Christ. So check yourself. That's why God said, you need me. I am second. Everything God has given us, we give away. We give it away. I don't want it because it wasn't meant to hold on to. I don't want it. And I'm so thankful that now my marriage is the best marriage I ever dreamed for. Do we have our problems? Yeah, we do. Do we fight? Yeah, we do. But now we remember the gospel in the heat of the moment. And we say we know how to simmer down the emotion quicker and fix it. Because this is what God said. It's not about what we think. It's about what he said. And we're seeing the fruits of it. And I'm so thankful for that. And you'll see the fruits of it. So just apply God's word today. Let's pray. God, thank you for an opportunity to get to worship in the gym. 
that we can take your kingdom anywhere and penetrate hearts that we don't have to worry about how it looks because when we speak gospel it's the truth and that's what stirs the soil that's what stirs the soil and we can't wait to see what you have in store in the future for one seat church but right now we're just going to keep preaching this word until the world comes around it's going to show up and go i want some of that Keep your hand on this week, God. Help us change our tone and speak life like Toby Mac. Help us speak life to everyone. That there is not a conversation that is too insignificant for us to be loving and graceful and amidst your love that you poured into us. There is no one insignificant that doesn't deserve that. Everybody deserves that because you gave that to me, Lord. So I cannot forbid that anyone be fed the grace that you have given me. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen.